0: Hello?
1: Hi, is this Mandy?
0: Yeah, this is Mandy.
1: Hi, it's Todd Bishop from GeekWire in Seattle. Hi. That is Mandy Manning, and I called her up because she is uniquely qualified to offer her perspective on one of the key topics we've been discussing on this season of Numbers Geek, education. In fact, she also has day-to-day experience with another of our key topics, immigration. So you're probably asking yourself at this point, who is Mandy Manning? Every president since Harry Truman has honored the National Teacher of the Year, and I'm proud to continue this tradition with this year's recipient, Mandy Manning of the state of Washington. Great state. Thank you.
0: Mandy teaches English and math to refugee and immigrant students at Joel E. Ferris High School in Spokane, Washington.
1: Coming up, Mandy Manning, National Teacher of the Year, shares the numbers she would use to grade U.S. education. From GeekWire and USA Facts, it's Numbers Geek with Steve Ballmer. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. Stay with us. Numbers Geek is presented by USA Facts,
0: our nation in numbers. Visit them at usafacts.org.
1: Mandy Manning is the 2018 National Teacher of the Year an annual award given by the Council of Chief School State Officers.
0: I teach at Joel E. Ferris High School in Spokane, Washington, in the Newcomer Center, which is a program for brand-new immigrant and refugee students who are brand-new to our nation. So they spend five periods a day with me in the center, and we work on foundational language skills and the language for math, and then we also um, mostly focus on helping them to comfortably and safely uh, gain confidence to transition to living and studying in the United States.
1: The backstory here is that we reached out to Mandy Manning while working on our episode about U.S. public education. Mandy and I didn't connect in time for that show, but afterward, I asked her to give it a listen, and then I called her up to get her take.
0: First, a quick recap.
1: That's my daughter, Maggie, who is currently doing three digit subtraction with borrowing. And she loves school and can't wait to go back, right? No. (laughs) All right. So here is a quick recap of what we talked about on our education episode. Starting with test scores, which are a big focus for our resident numbers geek, Steve Ballmer, the former Microsoft CEO and the founder of our podcast partner, USA Facts.
2: So my first observation is whoa. No matter what we're spending on education, we should have more than 33 to 40 percent of our kids being able to perform at grade level. Now, there is some good news. These numbers have come up some over the years. We're getting a little bit better, but we're not getting better fast. And where we are today, to me, is wholly unacceptable. We need to help more kids be able to read and do math at grade level. Well, number one, I'd really take to heart the reading and math proficiency scores, and I would double down uh, with the teachers in partnership on ways to make sure we feel like we're, we're really focused in on, on outcomes. Not because we're just grading teachers here. We're grading parents, we're grading teachers, we're grading communities, but those numbers need to get better. That's number one. Number two, I would disaggregate those so we can see them by various demographic, uh, you know, rich, poor, uh, you know, people of color, brought in black kids to see where we have greatest opportunities to make a difference. But until you have those outcomes clear, I think there's there's not a lot to do. I'd have the frank conversation about class size. I think you could argue classes could be bigger without hurting educational outcomes, which would give us the money. To invest in kids who have greater needs. Now, I'm not saying parents are going to want that or not want that, but two or three options like that should be framed up and maybe even taken to the voters or at least to the legislature to try to exercise, if you will, the democratic process to really make these trade offs. The democratic process has to work and it's only going to work if people can look at some numbers believe in them, and then decide what actions to take.
1: Student-teacher ratio has declined from more than 27 students per teacher back in the 1950s to about 16 students per teacher now. This number surprises a lot of people, and as we noted on the education episode, it can be deceiving. Student-teacher ratio takes into account instructional staff and other faculty, and because of that, it is not the same as class size. Class size is in the low to mid-20s in U.S. public schools, depending on grade level. That's where we began our conversation with Mandy Manning
0: when a classroom has, say, 30 students, it's very nearly impossible for an educator to be able to -to one-to-one help individual students and meet every single student's needs. And I would say, though, that part, part of the problem is that it doesn't translate because it's not really a true picture. There's not really a 16 to 1 ratio in majority of classrooms across the United States, except for in some maybe rural areas or in specialized programs. And that's why it doesn't actually translate because we're not getting a clear picture of what a classroom actually looks like and where kids are coming in and how they're able to come in ready to learn whatever it is that we are prepared to teach them. Now, that said, we also um, have this standardization that has happened, which has rushed learning. So we're increasing what kids need to learn at a younger age. So I know my kindergartner had to learn how to read like a lot by the end of Uh, kindergarten, which didn't used to be the case, you know, 10 years ago. So we've increased uh, the the benchmarks at each grade level, and we've ramped it up to this fast pace where so many kids are continuously left behind. And because we have this expectation in some districts where you're on this chapter, on this day, on this page, at this time, there's no room for being like, whoa, you know what? Johnny and Sally aren't ready to move on. And so we need to slow up and make sure that the kids are understanding. Instead, it's more like, oh, we don't have enough time. Let's just give them this little thing or um, and we'll just keep moving.
1: Meanwhile, graduation rates have risen from about 67% to 82% over the past 20 years. They've gotten better. She pointed out that the requirements of even entry-level jobs have changed the situation.
0: There are so few jobs that you can get now without having a high school diploma. I mean, even if you look at jobs um, like working at a fast food restaurant, oftentimes even those jobs will require a high school diploma. So I think you can attribute some of that to just social changes and expectations in terms of employment if you look at how we've moved as a society more towards standardization more towards standardized testing we're also seeing this trend in education where we're looking at breadth of knowledge instead of depth of knowledge we're expecting kids to know say chemistry we'll take chemistry for example or biology and you look at the amount of things that they need to have knowledge of in order to be able to complete that standardized test well it's about an inch deep because they have to know so much. So then you have to think about, well, what are they carrying with them beyond the test? And what, what are we doing with schools? <laughs> and like, what are we focused on? I think that that's a really important thing to think about. And, and if I may relate it to what Steve talked about, about what math he needs to know.
2: At least for business have to know how to add, subtract, multiply, divide, do a percentage, and you probably have to do one little piece of math, which is be able to solve a problem where you have A, some number, plus B, some number, times X, some variable, equals Y. That's a helpful thing to know. Why? Because in business, fixed cost plus variable cost times units equals total cost. Therefore, understanding variable cost and fixed cost is a very important thing uh, in business, in understanding your business. Uh, it's a fundamental accounting principle, basically. So, very helpful.
0: He talked about how he needs to know how to add. He needs to know how to subtract. He needs to know how to multiply and divide. And he needs to know how to work with variables, unknown numbers sometimes, Right. So if you look at math, and he was a CEO. He's done a lot of math. But if you look at what he said, what did he really need to know? Well, that's about a pre-algebra, algebra level of math. So maybe we should be looking at more of a depth of knowledge and an application to actual real life. If we help kids synthesize and apply and analyze, we're going to have community members who are able to problem solve, think critically, and really utilize what they've learned for real-world situations.
1: So how would she measure U.S. education? That's coming up next on Numbers Geek. This week, we are revisiting the numbers behind U.S. education through a conversation with Mandy Manning, the 2018 National Teacher of the Year. So what numbers would she use? To really assess U.S. education as a whole, Mandy said she would look beyond graduation rates and test scores. Instead, she would look at how many students are going on to post-secondary education in all of its forms, including community colleges and universities, segmented by different social factors.
0: Who's staying the course in their post-secondary study? That will determine even more how well we're preparing kids.
1: In fact, we researched it, and the National Center for Education Statistics did this over a 10-year period from 2002 to 2012.
0: Beginning in 2002, NCES sampled a nationally representative cohort of 10th graders. We caught up with the same group of students again in 2004, 2006, and 2012. By following this group of students over time, we gained important insights into how socioeconomic status, or SES, influences a student's educational outcomes. A smaller percentage of low SES students than middle SES students attained a bachelor's degree by 2012. Both of these percentages were smaller than the 60% of high SES students who attained a bachelor's degree by 2012.
1: So that's a benchmark to assess the entire U.S. educational system. But how to fix it?
0: I would say that we continue to have um, basic standards that we have to meet, but that we remove standardization so that we can allow educators the latitude to meet the needs of the individual students within their classroom at that time in order to get them to that standard instead of being prescribed what we should be doing, we should be given the professional authority to make those decisions for ourselves uh, so that by the end of the year, we can show that the students have grown and have mastered the standard or whatever we want to call the goal by the end of the school year. And I think that we should broaden the way that we're showing knowledge because a standardized exam doesn't necessarily give a real picture of what the student is doing. It only gives a picture of that kid on that day and it disregards any other factor that could have come into play on the student's performance on that day. Um, And instead, we should be able to allow educators to show growth over time of their students through formative assessment. Formative assessment is all of those assessments that we use throughout our time in the classroom. So it, it can include observation. It can include student performances. It can, it can include pop quizzes. It can include um, essays and whatever other element we use to determine if students are um, moving forward and, and achieving what they need to be achieving in our classrooms. Uh, and, it, and those assessments are... Sorry. Okay. And those assessments are the ones that actually impact classroom practice. Because based on what we are observing of our students, whether through their work or through our interactions with them or through our just basic observations, that's what impacts how we're teaching and if we're slowing down or if we're speeding up or how we're meeting each individual kid's needs is through those formative assessments. Plus, it gives a timeline so we can show you where kids started and where they're moving. And then we're not just looking at, did they meet the this mastery level. Instead, we're looking at, are they making progress and are they growing? And it allows us to build from students' assets. And that's the most important thing. We should be able to see our students not based on what they did not come to us with, but instead what they have come to us with, those talents and skills and strengths, and how can we utilize those assets to help them learn.
1: I asked Mandy to tell me about an experience with one of her students that would illustrate what she's talking about.
0: Oh, I have so many stories. I had a student, his name was Hussein. He was from Iraq. Um, He came to the Newcomer Center in 2012. And what was unique about Hussein is that he was 20 years old. And normally when kids come in um, brand new to the nation and brand new to to school in the United States at that age. Oftentimes they'll choose to go to the uh, adult education at the community college. But Hussein had the insight into himself and into his experience that he understood that if he came to the high school, he would have more exposure to English and more exposure to culture, so the, the culture of the United States. And so he decided to attend the Newcomer Center. And you can imagine when he first came in, understanding that he only had a year in high school was challenging as an educator, but he happened to be a very outgoing kid and he loved to practice English. So um, he would often talk with me about um, about his experiences coming over and that's when I found out that he uh, was, a, was a barber for the United States Army in Iraq. And uh, so I really had to think, well, what can we do for this kid? who has one year to set forth on a path toward being a successful community member. And so I uh, got him enrolled in the Skills Center, even though his language ability wasn't quite what it needed to be. Um, And he would go to his classes in the afternoon over in the Skills Center for Cosmetology, and then in the mornings he would come to the Newcomer Center and we would sit together and review every single thing that he had learned again. Uh, and by the end of that year, he had several hours towards his certificate. He had he had tremendous amounts of language because it was such an academic, you know, rigorous content for an uh, English language learner. And um, it still took a couple of years. But in 2016, he uh, achieved his his uh, cosmetology license, and he's a practicing stylist here in Spokane. And I, the reason I tell that story is because. Uh, We can make a lot of assumptions about our students and their uh, capabilities or what they don't come with, but when we really take a moment to get to know our students and are interested in them and who they are and see their strengths and what they bring with them, we can start with that and build from there, and it doesn't matter their circumstance, we can help them to be successful.
1: Mandy Manning is the 2018 National Teacher of the Year, an annual award given by the Council of Chief School State Officers. Hey, thanks for listening to Numbers Geek, everybody. And thanks to everyone out there who's given us your feedback and input on the show. We're about halfway through this season, and we've got some great episodes coming up, including discussions about numbers with WNBA legend Sue Bird. It's interesting to have the numbers either prove you right or prove you wrong. NPR Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me host Peter Sagel. The numbers matter tremendously. And conversations with our resident numbers geek, Steve Ballmer, about global trade healthcare, jobs, and the economy. Plus, we'll return to the basketball court with Steve. All right, Steve, so what what stands out to you in terms of the numbers so far? We're up 11 points. (laughs) and we'll give him another mysterious document to figure out.
2: Oh, this company paid almost no income tax last year. Super interesting.
1: Be sure to subscribe to Numbers Geek in your favorite podcast app to catch every episode. And don't forget to give us a rating and a review to help other people find the show. Numbers Geek is produced by GeekWire in partnership with Steve Ballmer and USA Facts. Numbers Geek graphic design by Killer Infographics. Theme music by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. Video and technical support from Kevin Lasota. For more Numbers Geek episodes and videos, plus citations for the numbers we discuss, go to geekwire.com numbersgeek. For interactive graphics, charts, and data about U.S. education and many other government numbers, go to usafacts.org. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. We'll be back soon with another episode of Numbers Geek.